0: Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 447, I am welcoming to the show my friend, Dr. Camelia Smith.
1: But I always tell women, just because things are common doesn't mean they're normal, And I think that goes more into how it pertains to our quality of life. And I often say that quality of life issues should not be extra credit for women. When I asked
0: what y'all needed help with, several of you put in the question box on Instagram that you had changes to your body, that you were not sure if you're in menopause or not. And since I'm almost 47 and I have similar questions, I thought I would bring an expert on the show. And Dr. Smith, she is not only a mom, that I see on the regular as our kids go to school together. She is also the founder and director of Charleston House Gynecology here in Dallas, a well known establishment, because her practice is geared toward caring for all of a woman on this zigzaggy road through midlife healthcare. So she's going to answer your questions. There's also great resources in the show notes. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Dr. Smith, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you. This is a first for me to cover women's health on the show, but I think it's such an important topic, especially I'm always selfish with my podcast. I've been doing this for 10 years, and it's usually when I hit a need that I'm like, hey, we need an expert in this, and (laughs) so I'm in the um, (laughs) post-kids
1: body changing what in the world is happening to me. I have to say I'm guilty of the same thing. I think that's how I practice medicine. I sort of got interested in midlife medicine when I became a midlife woman. So I totally get it. Yeah. It's like
0: the felt need is felt by us. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. let's meet the need that I'm feeling. Um, And I was thinking as I was taking questions from people and the confusion or the, is this normal questions about perimenopause, it reminded me of when I was trying to get pregnant And I'd gotten off birth control, and I was learning about the cycle and about what your body does over the course of a cycle. And I'm in my mid 20s. I've had a cycle for, I don't know, at that point, 15 years. And I'm just learning for the first time that when I ovulate, certain things happen in my body. And I was like, this information would have been helpful as a teen. So help educate us, like, so we aren't doing this. As six year old saying, man, that information would have been helpful at forty or forty five. What is perimenopause? Because it doesn't get talked about a lot. And like, let's talk about what's normal. Let's normalize it.
1: Well, I love that you started with that because I do think when you're going through something, it does give you a different level of attention, right? Like you don't, you don't notice a certain type of car until you buy one kind of thing. And I do think it's, you know, some of us are lifelong learners. I think you're a lifelong learner. I love the fact that I am. It's something that I just really derive a lot of joy from is the pursuit of knowledge, especially around, as it pertains to women's health. And I think, you know, there is so much to be gained by women discussing this at a forum. So I would ask you, why did it take so long to put women's self on there? And I recent, you know, it's funny as I recently spoke in an NCL meeting, which was just fantastic because those girls are like they're there to get it done. And they had the most wonderful questions, insightful um, questions and observations about themselves. But what I said to that group when they first started was thought, I said, who would have thought that an NCL meeting would have been about menopause? And it's much like your podcast now, um, which I love. And you, parenting and menopause are not occurring in silos. And I often say, too, I'm not sure why having a teenager in high school coincides with menopause. I think that's a really <laughs> unfair twist of fate already my sleep's terrible. And now you're telling me I've got to try to stay up when I would like to be sleeping. Cause I got to wait for that kid to get home. Um, anyway, so I, We all feel the pain. We all feel the pinch. Um, So the perimenopausal transition definitely needs to be talked about. But it is. And actually, when I started Charleston House four years ago in 2019, everybody thought I was going to practice some woo-woo medicine and that I was abandoning real health care. And I was like, listen, we have so much to learn. I know nothing about taking care of a midlife woman, and I am one. And I don't know who to go to for my own health. So when women ask what is normal, I always say, what do you mean by that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. What do you mean by normal? And, and I don't know what that means, Heather, so I'm going to need you to speak to that for me. I know mm. I'm not interviewing you, but I need you to speak to that yeah. so that I can better understand it. But I always tell women, just because things are common doesn't mean they're normal. Mm. And I think that goes more into how it pertains to our quality of life. And I often say that quality of life issues should not be extra credit for women. And we do. We feel like going in and telling somebody that we're not sleeping well or we're sweating through the sheets or we don't really desire sex anymore, yada, 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 is a quality of life thing. And surely a doctor doesn't have time for that. And you don't want to waste their time and they're delivering a baby and you barely got 15 minutes with them. So you're not going to pick that. You're going to pick more like, Oh, am I going to have cancer? And what am I going to die of? And you know, I'm gaining weight. It seems like cancer and weight gain are like right up there in a woman's mind, which I understand. And the good news about that is Weight gain does lead to cancer, so there's that. But we don't want to burden our doctors with it. And so women think these extra, these quality of life issues are oftentimes extra credit. They get brushed under the rug. And so we do need to be having the conversations. We need to be talking about it, and we need to be equipping ourselves so that we can have a thoughtful conversation with our physicians when we have that Rare little 10 minutes with them. Um, And that is really what I like to speak to women about. So just because something is common doesn't make it normal. I don't think it's normal for women to walk around urinating on themselves after three babies, but we have normalized that, right? And I also say that there is no man, show me a man that would walk around like that all day. He would not. They would have something for that, it would be (laughs) fixed and it wouldn't require a surgery with a six week pelvic rest recovery. There's just, that's not going to happen. No man's going to have a surgery that he has to rest his pelvis for six weeks. So again, all good things to consider when you're like, well, is this normal? Yeah. So I don't think that quality of life issues should be diminished for a woman. And so a lot of times we feel like we don't know if we're coming or going. And I think perimenopause, what is very, Important to understand as there is no roadmap. Imagine those little mazes that it looks like jiggity jaggity all over the place. It's not Mm -hmm. a straight line. Like, I'm Premenarchy, then I start having my period, and then I'm going through my reproductive years, and then I'm going through menopause. It's not a straight line. When you get to perimenopause, it's like a zigzag, and no one is going to do it just like the woman next to her. So when you go to brunch, the women sitting on both sides of you are going to do it very differently than you do. And a white girl is not going to do it the same as an Asian woman. We're all going to do it differently. And so you couple that with a lack of knowledge and training by providers and a fear of what treatment options might be, such as hormones. And then that's how we all got in this little pickle, right? So that's why I think it's, you know, I don't know what normal means, I think it's <laughs> abnormal that we don't talk about it. I think it's abnormal that we don't have more training. And I think it's abnormal that we don't have more um, knowledge about it, but we're getting there. And that's, what's really exciting. So to all your listeners, I would say we are, this is a dawn of a new day. Um, menopause is front and center. My social media feed is whack with all of the ads so much that I'm like, oh my gosh, like I got to see something other than menopause today, <laughs> because that's all I see on my feed. Um, and I point my patients to really great resources. There's so many fantastic resources out there. And I would rather you watch something that has 90% good information and 10% maybe not real validated. And we can work through that 10%. But at least you are... Owning your own healthcare journey and wanting to improve your knowledge. And so I think if we're going to do this well, we need to be talking about it, and women need to be looking to resources. And, um, and I do. I, I, I give my patients homework. I'm like, I need you to go look at these things, read these things. I'll send them articles, and then come back to me and let's rediscuss because, therefore, you can really make a good decision about your own health um, based on the information that you have consumed as well. That's awesome.
0: Y'all know I'm not much of a planner, okay, but I'm really proud of myself because already in 2024, I've been using my planner, I've been making lists, I've been checking them off. It feels good. And I know with the busyness of parenthood, we are often just reacting and responding to all the little needs of the day and future planning is harder to come by. Well, I was connected with a great sponsor. It's Trust & Will. They can help you create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $159. And if you go to trustandwill.com forward slash DMA, you'll get 10% off plus free document shipping. So my dad was a lawyer. Growing up, I heard a lot about trusts & Wills. I even worked for one summer and helped type them up. So I know that they can be complicated documents. But with trust and will, they simplify it for you. They also give you peace of mind. You have easy access and control over estate planning. You can start and stop. This is what I thought was really cool when I went to their website. Start and stop the process at any point. So if you get called away by a cranky kid or having to go pick someone up or a Zoom call, uh, it keeps track of where you were and all of your documents are in one place with bank-level encryption. They also have customer support available if you have questions. It takes something we don't wanna think about and we don't wanna wait until a crisis moment to do. It uncomplicates it and makes it less confusing. And for those of you who have lost loved ones, I even saw on their website that they have probate, which to me, oh my word, I had not even heard about that until we lost someone. So if you are looking... To have someone guide you in a step-by-step process from start to finish for trust or will. Secure your assets, protect your loved ones with trust and will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your state plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com forward slash DMA. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash DMA. Okay, so like you you said, perimenopause is between the childbearing and the hitting the menopause, and it can vary between everybody. And I love that you're like, what's? it's not about being normal. It's about normalizing and recognizing your own journey. And I had several people ask, how do we know when it's starting? And like one gal said, she said, I'm 41 years old. I started experiencing really bad compared to previously PMS a year ago after weaning my youngest child and she had been pregnant or breastfeeding for 11 years. She went to her doctor and said, uh, the doctor said, well, we can put you on birth control and see if that helps. The doctor didn't run any test. She said, I feel like we should be further along in this. And what should she look for in a doctor? Like, And other people asked, should I get my hormone levels checked out? What should I ask my doctor to check? So is that, I know this is, an educational episode you're not offering medical advice <laughs> but i do think you're you're saying we're on the precipice of this but there's a lot of people listening who don't live in big cities like Dallas and don't have resources and what, what would you, what would you say to her or what would you say to the
1: person who's like am i in it so from a scientific standpoint there are stages to menopause there's okay. pre peri yeah. post Pre is broken down into early and late. Peri is the time surrounding menopause and it's just peri. And then postmenopause is early and late as well. So if you do the math, that's five stages and it is a fluid. But remember that zigzag line I told you? And sometimes people bounce in and out. They'll be like, hey, I'm going to take three steps forward and then I'm going to take two steps back. And so you can vacillate between some of these stages. And what's going to happen when women start listening is that they're going to be more confused than they ever were before (laughs) I said any of that. But that is just to tell you, hey, listen. It is okay to not know. It's not a It's not a map of the United States and you put a pin down and say, you're, you're not at North Park Mall trying to figure out you are here. I know we want to know where we are in it. That would be amazing. As a physician, I like to know because I like to think about your bone health, your cognitive function, your cardiovascular health. So you're going to get a higher level thought process out of me as to what this means and what's the writing on the wall of what's to come because my job is to help you live longer and a more bountiful life, but to be around longer and have a higher quality of life while you're doing that. And so, you know, yes, we care where you are in it. But what matters most is that you are aware that your symptoms can be addressed and they shouldn't be dismissed. And the reason I say that is women feel like they need to know exactly so that maybe somebody will listen to them. Because if you go in and get your labs checked and then they're normal, and then they feel like they've been dismissed because everything looks fine on paper, then they feel like they're the ones that are crazy and that they're the ones that for whatever reason, aren't feeling right. And that no one in the medical community is endorsing that for them and, and certainly not offering up any solutions to their issues. So I would say that perimenopause, of those stages that I just told you, the pre, the peri and the post, perimenopause is the one that wreaks the most havoc on your life. And it is the one that does not get the most credit because pre is going on beneath the surface. To answer the question, it, when, it, when is it going on? It's always going on beneath the surface. If you've had history with infertility, a low egg count, low ovarian reserve, female factor infertility, any of those things that ring true for a woman and she had a hard time getting pregnant and conceiving, then she's going to go through menopause earlier. So I'm going to watch her a little bit differently. I'm going to want to start intervening on bone health. I'm going to start intervening on some other things a little bit sooner. From a quality of life standpoint though, when that premenopause is happening, oftentimes we don't know what's happening. Sometimes our our periods, you know, our periods kind of our vital sign, right, as a woman. And so I really care about what your periods doing and if you never really had periods, that's also a flag, red flag that tells me you don't have a lot of ovarian reserve and therefore you will go through menopause early or than the average the average age being 51 to 52 but i know it it feels good to know where you are and to get blood work and so what i'll say to labs is i always check blood work i don't know that it's always necessary a woman really feels good about her doctor if she checks labs that does not mean that there are really good doctors out there that don't check blood work for a good reason but not to get on either side of that i would say yes labs can be very helpful, especially if you're young, but labs are not helpful to me. If I'm looking at a woman, I saw a woman this morning who looks, she's like, I don't have any hot flashes. My periods went away for four months. Now they came back. She is in full blown menopause when you look at her labs, but she feels fine and she's still having a period. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to intervene there right now for her. She's 50. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave her alone and let her just right off into the sunset, however she decides to get there biologically and intervene when it's time. Now that is not obviously, you know, the same for everyone. The squeaky wheel gets the grease and we only hear about our friends that are suffering through it, right? We don't hear about the ones that are, nobody's going to sit down at lunch and brag about how easy menopause was for them. So all those symptoms of brain brain fog and fatigue and redistribution of weight to their abdomen, that central obesity is what we call it, or just can't lose five pounds, Irritability, especially PMS, PMS gets really bad during perimenopausal symptoms. So the woman who stopped breastfeeding and then went into probably that early perimenopausal transition, she's perimenopausal and she's already feeling it and PMS symptoms get heightened during the menopausal transition. So you also feel a lot more bloating. You feel a lot more, you get acne. You have more migraines. Those kind of things all fall in line with the perimenopausal transition. So how do you know if you're in it? Well, you look at your age, you look at your biological history, you look if you had a hard time having babies, you look at what your periods are doing. And then you take that information into your physician and say, clinically, not that anyone would ever tell their physician clinically, but (laughs) evidence leads me to believe that I am perimenopausal. And then you start the conversation there. And that has nothing to do with labs. That has to do with just improving a woman's quality of life. And we don't need blood work to necessarily do that.
0: And you'd already mentioned the sleep aspects, hair loss. Is that something like a red flag or like a symptom of it?
1: So there's types of hair loss. Yes. I mean, we all have looked at our, those that have gone before us and noticed that their hair has changed as they age. Yes. There's, but there's also different types of hair loss. And I think Mm. stress is a big one that we overlook for women. And so I'll see a lot of shedding in women, um, six months. It usually occurs six months after they've had a major life event, they'll start to shed hair. Mm. If they've had surgery about month three after surgery, and it can be for a nice fun reason. Maybe you're augmenting something about your body. Um, You can have hair loss three to four months after surgery you can have what we call androgenic alopecia. And that is when you start to see that hairline start to recede. And that goes along a little bit more with the menopausal transition. But overall, yes, the hair, the density of the hair follicles, there's a lot of things at play um, that lead to that. But we do see hair loss as we age. And sometimes it coincides with menopause and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just merely from aging.
0: Hmm. And then libido, that's someone had a question
1: about that. Is that a sign symptom. Well, I think we should be talking more about that too. It's really hard in the south when you've been raised in the south and everybody's conservative to to know that it's okay to talk about sex, but it is. It's a healthy part of a relationship. And I also think that women um another thing that women have grown accustomed to is just, you know, being okay with it being not a big area of pleasure in their life. They just somehow can wrap their head around that and be okay with it and and move forward and and try to stay compatible in the relationship to whatever uh, degree of dissatisfaction they're willing to accept. I do think you have to want to want it. And what I mean by that is, if you have never wanted it before, and then you come in and say, hey, my libido is really low. I will say, well, did you want it? Because you got to want to want it to be able to really progress through. But sexual function is what we call a biopsychosocial model. And what that means is there are a lot of things at play. There's desire, there's arousal. And desire and arousal occurs way before you even really get to the, to the, the climax of anything. And so around that arousal and desire for women, that's a biopsychosocial model. There's a reason, there's a lot of reason why our desire drops. There's a lot of reason why our ability to be aroused drops. So it's not just all hormonal, it's relationship. It's how we feel about our own bodies, um, how we feel, how we look, it's past trauma. So sexual function is something uh, that I love to talk to women about because it is a very complex issue for a woman, um, not only physically, but neurologically. I will tell you, though, that there are several drugs out on the market now for sexual function. And I think that's really important to know. These are not like Viagra. Viagra does one thing, right? Like it increases the erection for a man. These medications really work on their brain for arousal. And something I want you to think about is... So how we know these drugs work, I'll tell you, it's really interesting, is they showed women erotic films and the lateral parts of their brain should light up when they see an erotic film. Women that don't show any of that nuclear, I mean, they literally could watch the, the blood flow in their brains. The blood flow that did not go to the lateral part of the brains in women corresponded to women who had very low libido. And what they saw is all this vascular congestion, blood flow moving in another place to the very front of their brain. And guess what also lives in the front part of your brain? It's your multitasking center. So this is the woman who's standing at the dryer with the baby hanging off her leg. He's trying to get the clothes from the washer, the dryer, her phone's going off. And she's like, oh, my kid left their lunch. I see my other kid's lunch on the counter. Like all her blood flow is in the front part of her brain. It is not out there in the lateral parts where it sits and waits to be aroused. And so these medications are working on that concept alone, but again, it goes back to you got to want to want it. And if you were never aroused before, you had a lot to multitask. Then then there's other things at play. But yes, you know, sexual our sexual desire changes a lot as we grow our family. Our sexual function changes a lot. The longer we're in the in a, a monogamous relationship and our sexual desire and arousal dramatically changes after menopause for reasons that are one, hormonal, but two, body image, relationship status. There's a lot of things that play there. And it's not just all in our head, but it is a lot in our head as well as to why we don't want to have sex. Yeah. yeah. No, that's super helpful.
0: You just set somebody free today. But speaking <laughs> of medication, I had someone ask... What are the top three signs that you would benefit from hormone replacement therapy? We talked about the blood work side and if, you know, how it can and cannot be helpful sometimes if you're not seeing symptoms. Um, I'm guessing that goes along with this question
1: so top 3 signs that someone would benefit from being on hormone therapy we used to call it hormone replacement therapy we now no longer refer to it as that we call it menopausal hormone therapy mht um you'll hear still hear referred to as hrt and the reason that was changed that nomenclature was to give a nod to the fact that we are not replacing a woman to back to what she was before and so menopausal hormone therapy. Now, when a woman is young and she goes through menopause early, we do replace. So that is different. And the reason that is important is because of the dosing and, and how we, we choose to proceed with the, um, the risk versus benefits of what dose to put a woman on. But a number one sign is hot flashes, vasomotor symptoms. And they can be qualified as mild, moderate, severe, but this is what, when I teach physicians and lecture to doctors on menopause about medications and those types of things, this is what I tell physicians. We do not get to determine how severe a woman's hot flash is. She Hmm. does. Hmm. So if it sounds like just a little bit of mild warming, we're like, well, that's not really that bad. But that's not for us to say, because for her, her perception is that's enough. Now you can have mild, moderate, or severe hot flashes, and some women need to know that they are like, well, if mine aren't that bad, then I'm fine. But some mm. women are like, oh my gosh, I don't have time to break into a sweat. I don't have time for that, and that's not anything I want to do. I don't even want to be. Ho- I don't even want to be running hot after I blow dry my hair and have to wait ten minutes for my clothes on. That's not something I'm interested in. So women who have mild symptoms choose to proceed with hormone therapy. Some women feel like they have to prove something, like you know, like I did with like, how long can I go without getting an epidural, and. <laughs> Maybe I need it to be severe pain before I get my epidural, and maybe I need to have severe hot flashes. Um, But I think vasomotor symptoms is what we, those are hot flashes, those are night sweats. That's the number one sign. Because we also know that those are, are lead to, um, they have implications surrounding cardiovascular disease and risks as well. And there's a lot of stuff you're going to see coming out about that, that's going to be talked about, that's coming. It's in the pipelines of how cardiovascular disease that women who have severe hot flashes, these are, can be linked to cardiovascular disease down the road. And your question is probably going to be, well, does estrogen make that better? And yes, possibly it can. And that's really what we want to know is if you take estrogen for hot flashes, am I going to reduce my risk for cardiovascular disease? And we're not there yet, but we do know that severe hot flashes are linked to increased risk for cardiovascular disease. So I would say vasomotor symptoms would be the first big thing that a woman notices. And then I think to sleep. I think sleep sleep is important to everything. Sleep is important to your cognitive to function. So your memory, sleep is important to your mental health. Sleep is important to your weight loss. You cannot lose weight if you are not sleeping. And 30 to 45 minutes extra sleep is like 200 more calorie workout in the gym. So if you sleep an extra 45 minutes a night, that's equivalent to a 200 calorie workout in the gym. So if you're menopause, if you're on this weird sleep disruption because your circadian rhythm is trying to change because the brain is going, it's like a firing squad in there without the estrogen, then we have to bring that sleep back. So if I have somebody who's just having all these nocturnal awakenings, I will put her on some hormone therapy to see if that helps. Now, if she's chronically had insomnia, that's not the right medication or approach for her. So I think hot flashes, I think sleep are two of the big things. And I think sometimes if you're not having a period, but you're not having hot flashes, you've gone through menopause, but you notice the cyclic sort of mood disruption and a lot of PMS symptoms, patients will sometimes benefit from that as well. Hmm. The biggest takeaway though is hot flashes, night sweats. That's the FDA indication for prescribing hormone therapy. We know there are many, 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 many other benefits surrounding that. Also, I will tell you that there are plenty of non-hormonal options to treating hot flashes and night sweats as well that you should talk to your doctor about.
0: Y'all know I'm a big fan of HelloFresh. You've heard me talk about HelloFresh if you've listened to this show before. If you haven't, hello, welcome to the podcast. So recently I got a box of food and I had to tell you this. I actually re-recorded this sponsor spot because – I made the Hello Fresh. It was an onion crunch chicken with mashed potatoes and green beans. And we actually had this miraculous moment where all six of us were together around a table and everyone was like, mmm, so good. Mmm, you have more of this? Mmm, this so good. And I said, oh, this is a HelloFresh meal. What? This is a HelloFresh meal? Yeah, it's a HelloFresh meal. And I'm not saying that because that sounds very commercially like I just made this up. Legit high five from my 18-year-old. Because he is a foodie and he's like, this was really good. This was a really good dinner. Awesome. Uh, Because with HelloFresh, I feel like it takes away some of the mental load. I don't have to think about what's for dinner because I've already chosen the three meals for the week. They show up pre-portioned in their little bags with their little recipe cards. And when it's time for dinner, I just look at like, how long does this one take? How much time do I have? And I make it. And – To know that it's also food that they find delicious, which is a little challenging with, uh, you know, growing boys sometimes they'll just eat anything. But other times there's some challenge and maybe you experience that too. In my last box, they even sent me a fun, like just so I could tell y'all who have younger kids, it's a kid-friendly meal and it had little pepperoni roll-ups and carrots and cucumbers and like really healthy, adorable meal that you could serve your younger kids. Uh, so if you've never checked out because you're like, my kids won't eat that stuff, I think you should at least look and give it a try. Also, they're helping you solve for breakfast. HelloFresh is doing this amazing thing where if you're a subscriber, they will give you breakfast for life while you're subscribed. It's awesome. So go to HelloFresh.com slash DMA free. Use the code DMA free for free breakfast for life. You'll get one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash DMA free with the code DMA free. And y'all, I'm still convinced that HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And when that food arrives, you can cook it with your awesome non-toxic kitchenware from Caraway, I'm telling y'all, we have a skillet. We have a little um, saucepan from them in this really cute pink coral color. And it is so nice to know, one, okay, so I've got my meal kit already there. Now I don't have to worry about extra chemicals getting into our food because Caraway is non-toxic. They don't have PFS. I don't even know these things, right? Okay, PFAS. PGFE, PFOA, I don't know, hard to pronounce chemicals, not there. It's also really easy to cook with. They have a naturally slick surface with the ceramics, so it requires minimal oil and butter. The food slides right off. The saucepan, my youngest son will use very frequently to make uh, food for himself, whether it's a hard-boiled egg to make deviled eggs or pasta. He loves that he can use that saucepan. So it's not like overly heavy, but it's solid. Um, I love that the handle doesn't get hot so he can use the kitchenware. And again, like I said, it's really cute. It's very aesthetic. And we're not the only ones who love it. Over 65,000 people have rated five stars with the Caraway Kitchen. So if you haven't looked into it, check out carawayhome.com forward slash DMA. Take advantage of a limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This is just for our listeners. So visit carawayhome.com forward slash DMA. Use the code DMA at checkout. Caraway. It's non-toxic cookware made modern. When I'm in the fun season of not having the hot flashes, but cyclically having the night sweats, like when we're like a certain time of the month getting the night sweats. And I have had blood work And it's more related to my DHEA, I think, and stress hormones, I think, is what she said. And I don't know. I'm low vitamin D. I'm just – so I know that there's even just like with stress of 2024, then you talk about this stage of stress. And then you talk about our bodies changing. Are there supplements, like non-pharmaceutical options that just help? Like I need to take liquid vitamin D every day. I just do. Super low you in do. it, you like do. dangerously low in it. So I know that's. I've talked to my doctor about it. I'm not suggesting you would tell everyone what supplements to go on because it is not going to work. But like in general, what should we be on the lookout for, or what vitamin supplements tend to go
1: along with this stage of development? Well, I would know your cardio. I would know your cardiovascular risk. Lipid particles change after menopause. We know that there's a protective effect of estrogen on our cholesterol. So I would know your um, cardiovascular risks, and it remains and will probably always remain the number one killer in women, this cardiovascular disease. And so I would ask your physician about drawing a high sensitivity CRP, HSCRP. That's a very, like, that's just a routine lab now that I added in 2024. I'm like, everyone's going to HSCRP because we have all the data and literature in the world to support the use of that in women now. It just took us, and we've always known it was important. It just Took, it takes time for women to make it into the studies, so knowing your cardiovascular risk, getting your high sensitivity CRP. My patients start getting a coronary artery calcification score when they're fifty. That's a that's a CT of their um, heart. Um, insurance covers it. If they don't cover it, it's, there's a nominal fee for an imaging center right near my office that we send our patients to. And then you need to look at, once you have that information, um, there's also some other specialty labs. You can do the Cleveland Heart Lab that I do on my patients, especially if they have a really high risk of cardiovascular disease based on their family history. And then we sit down and decide, do they need to be on CORTIN, Do they need to be on CoQ10? Do they need to be, which omega-3, what level of EPA, DHA do I want them on? Vitamin D, obviously, as you pointed to, Um, I think every patient, sometimes I feel like um, a robot because I'm like, you need vitamin D and I am (laughs) sending you a a recommendation. And they're like, she's a robot, but because everybody needs vitamin D, we do. And then I think, you know, there is a product that I really like and it has to do with brain health. Um, We have it in our office. It's NeuroReserve. It has 17 food groups in it. Um, and I think that's what you need for brain health. I think the omegas, the omegas for a long time, we've always thought were really good for brain health. We don't know. We're not saying that they're not, there's just really nothing to substantiate it, but I do think they're important because they drive down inflammation and that those free um, radicals in the brain are what increase our risk for Alzheimer's. So I do think that omegas are good for that reason, but I don't know that they're preventative. Um, and I think we know that what you eat is the biggest thing you can do to improve your brain health. Um, and so I would, I mean, I think if A plus B equals C, if what we put in our bodies is going to impact our brain, then I think this particular supplement with the seventeen food groups in it is a no-brainer ha, 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 um, for people to take. And, and what did you say it was never, called? Never, it's called. Um, it's a. I'll send you the link. It's okay. Neuro Reserve. Um, Neuro Reserve. Okay. That we. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Um. Some of the big leaders in brain health that I follow and stalk, um, they are big proponents of this because I've asked them directly. I'm like, tell me the one thing that I should, if patients are limited in what they can spend on their monthly vitamins, what is the one thing they should be taking for brain health? And this has become um, sort of the go-to for that. So yes, and omega, core 10 or CoQ10, vitamin D, and then brain health. And then we start getting into what are some of the other supplements that will support Um, your hormonal health, um, those can vary from woman to woman based on what she's deficient in and, or what she's symptomatic in. And I think that, um, and then we have to start looking at sleep and how can we support sleep? Um, and I think magnesium is great at night for supporting sleep and it works very well for muscle inflammation as well. And then there's just a whole host of products depending on what a woman, you know, is what her day to day list of symptoms look like and we go through those supplements but i think that's a good place to start for women with the ones i just listed
0: i just i really appreciate you constantly going back to this is about your quality of life like i think as women we often if we have kids we put them ahead of we put our spouse ahead we put every our friends ahead and we're not really leaning into man i'd like to feel good and it's okay to ask a doctor about certain aspects of my life and as we transition and one gal said why is this even happen why do we have to go through this it's like you're not the only one and uh i'd love to i'm sure you have books that you recommend to your patients but we can put a book list and link to it um is there one book that you could talk about real quickly that you found to be helpful for someone to get more info
1: Well, I think it depends. Okay. There's two things I want to say about that. Number one, depends on your approach. If you're like, I need quick fix, I need quick answers, and I don't need to know about the origin of how I got here. Then I think that there are plenty of TikToks for that. If you are more of a, and they're good TikToks. Um, but i do think that there are some resources that women need to read i started my year with estrogen matters i finished sorry i finished 2023 reading estrogen matters so that i could prepare for 2024 to discuss it with my patients it's a book that i've pointed my patients to for a while um, and i think it's really important because here's here's to go back to what you just said we put everyone else first but also that's not that's one of the big reasons why I think that's a cultural thing. It's how we've been fashioned. It's how we've been, that's how we've grown into our own skin. And that's basically how we were raised, right? Yeah. And it's, it's our role is to be caretakers as women, which I find a wonderful role and very fulfilling. Um, however, we tend to put everybody else first because their needs need to come. We need to just make sure that we are caring for those as the, as the caretaker role. But the other thing is, is, if we are fearful of our options because we've heard they're all dangerous and bad, they're going to cause cancer, then why would we go find out any options? options. Yeah. There's been a lot of studies looking at why women don't bring up their symptoms with their doctors and it's fear of being dismissed, but it's also fear of what their options might be because they're not interested. They've already got they've already got a bias as to what that means for them and they're not willing to go to take that next step. So they're like, so I'll just deal with it because because mm-hmm. what the options look like do not look appealing for me, so I should just deal with it. And I think mm-hmm. the third thing as to why women do that, it goes back to what we started with and we think things are normal, mm-hmm. um, even though they're common. So we put other people first. Um, I think that we diminish our own symptoms because we're fearful of what our treatment options might be because of what we've heard. And then I think that you combine those two and it kind of leaves you feeling that you are crazy and that you don't have any real information or good treatment options of where to turn to. Um, And I think it's a real problem with our healthcare system. I won't get on too big of a set box, but it's a big (laughs) problem with our healthcare system. So, which is why we have to turn to our resources. And so I think estrogen matters is a great place to start in 2024. I think it's a must read for women because women need to be taking charge of their own health. We advocate for our children, right? So we read everything we can find on our kids' health when we go into the doctor and we challenge our pediatricians with why I read this and I did this. And what do you think about this? We should be doing the same for ourselves. And I think estrogen matters is a great place to start because it's going to tell you how you got to the place of, I don't want to bring up my issues because I don't like what my treatment options are. And if we don't start there, then we're going to still be sitting back at score zero. We're at ground zero. We're never going to move forward. And we're going to be bouncing around, spending a lot of money, trying things that have been given to us that with hopes and promises, you know, I like supplements. I'm all about them. I have not seen one fix a problem that my patient is having. Now there's yeah. placebo to everything. And listen, I'm a big fan of placebo. I personally don't like to take a lot of medications. I don't take anything really. I try to take my supplements. I try to, <laughs> but I don't really take any medications on a routine basis. And so I get it, but I just, you know, we're so quick to jump on board with things that are natural. And I will tell you all natural things have been synthetically derived. That's mm-hmm. how they got there. Estrogen is made from a plant. That's actually more natural than most things, right? Right. that have been synthetically derived. And so we are living in a city where there are a lot of means, which means these longevity med spas, all the things are popping up left and right. I look at them every day and patients come in. And I think that the infrared saunas, I think the massages. I think all these things work really well for menopausal symptoms. And I think we should be doing those. I think we should be treating our bodies well, driving down in the inflammation tissue work. I do think it's good to figure out, to see what supplements they offer. I just don't know that it's the only place to go. And then you have to go back to your physician, your knowledge. And so I think start with Estrogen Matters. Particularly, it talks about why estrogen can improve not only your quality of life, but help you live longer without increasing your risk for cancer. And I think that if we can wrap our heads around that as a society and truly find some comfort in that at night when we lay our head on the pillow, that Hormones aren't bad for me, and that these natural things that I've been given are better. Then I think that that's a good place to start. And in my practice, I bring it all in. Man, I'm like Eastern medicine, Western medicine. I don't know if you call it integrative, holistic, functional. I don't know what I do, but I try to meet a woman where she is and bring in all the things. And there's something to be said said for all of it. So I don't think okay. a prescription is the right answer. I don't think. I don't think supplements are the only right answer. I think yoga, I think breathing, all of that really matters. And it kind of sounds woo-woo, but it does.
0: <laughs> well, and it's just important to have you say the things you're saying because, like you said, we're not sitting at lunches and necessarily talking about this. And you and I both know, women in our community, that this gets so far that it becomes a mental health challenge and they isolate and i just think that i want to also prevent women in this stage ending their lives unnecessarily i'm not i don't want that to happen and so if we can just normalize having the conversation that part of it and then help women feel empowered that they can take care of their own selves whether it is with a physician or it is with a counselor or whatever means they have to do that i i just I'm hopeful that having this conversation and women listening in would have a ripple effect of more women talking about it. Hey, I just heard this Dr. Smith talk about X, Y, and Z. Have you ever heard of this? So, thank you so much for sharing with us. I know yeah, it's just you're kind you're of welcome. the tip of the iceberg of a topic that's still evolving. And thankfully, more women like you are involved in researchers and women. Who ha- can create the products or figure out what the needs are? That's happening. And
1: so, thank you for being a part of that movement. Absolutely. Appreciate well, thank it. Thank you for caring about it for your listeners. I think that's great. I know
0: we're not going to be able to cover all the questions you have in the 35 minutes that we are able to talk. But hopefully this gets, like I said, the conversation going. And if you wanna do a deeper dive on any of these topics, please check out the resources in the show notes. Um, I'm gonna pray for us. Lord, I thank you that we are uniquely designed. And even though we don't understand the whys and what is going on with our bodies as they change again, that you would empower us to ask good questions that we could connect with other women and experts and live the life, the abundant life that you have for us to live in this broken world. I thank you that we do have so many resources these days. I pray that you would give us discernment to know what is for us uniquely, that there isn't one normal way to do this and one exact Route, but that you walk with us and that you would lead us to the right conversations and the right information for us, and that you would fill us with your peace. And on days when it feels like our body is out of control, that we would turn to you over other coping things, that we would believe truth, that we would ultimately, Lord, not succumb to um, isolation and shame and just not believing what is true about who we are and our identity in you. And Lord, I pray for a woman today who is in that dark place that your spirit would shine this little glimmer of light to her today, that she would reach out to one person, that she would, um, of course, reach to you, Lord, uh, and no longer hide. And thank you for these bodies that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen man thanks y'all so much i hope we can connect um i send out a little note every tuesday with that week's episode but also just some thoughts i'm having some of my favorite things maybe a recipe or two or like something fun i found on the amazon i call it the amazon amazon.com uh if you want to sign up for that little note from me go to holaheather.com, h uh, for ola like heather And put your little name, email in there, and I will make sure to connect with you there. All right. I'll see you back here next Monday. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to DontMomAlone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news. The great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present